I cringe when we have uh, children's stories talking about praying for dogs and pets. And I'm going to convince Matthew and Ethan to start praying for another sibling. Because I believe in the power. That's what you get. <laughs> Pray for twins. You know, I do want to welcome, and, and I know that I want to welcome all of the, the new people that have, have been a, attending. But I, I, I am going to be a little partial today. I'm going to welcome uh, Uncle Ernie, I will call him. And the reason I'm going to welcome him is I had the privilege of being friends with his daughter and son-in-law in Texas. We actually had the privilege, I had the privilege of baptizing all three of his grandchildren there. They were all part of my youth. Kendall is a little bit young, but uh, she chose me also to study with her and, and baptize her also. And she was, you know, a couple, uh, a little bit older than Madison, a few years older than Madison, but, but their whole family, we love their family. Um, so Ernie, I want to personally extend this this uh, hand of welcome. You know the routine. Oh, come let us adore you. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Father, Great are you, Lord. Great is your faithfulness. Great is the promise that you are returning soon. And there will be no more death, sorrow, crying, and pain. Inspire us to be like you, to have the love of Christ, and bring it to this hurting world. We ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to show you a, a few pictures if you are old enough, you will recognize all of them. Some of you might not recognize any of them, depending on your age and if you lived in a cave or something. The first picture is... Who is this? Mother Teresa. Where did she go that put her in, in the world of sainthood and into infamy? which is in the country of India. Transform lives of the untouchables. Let's go to the next slide. Who knows who this is? George. George Zimmerman. If you remember the story in 2012, he is, let's still say, the young man that shot and killed Trayvon Martin. Let's go to the next one. Who remembers this trial? Who is this? O.J. Simpson. There was O.J. Football Simpson and O.J. After Football Simpson. Sadly to say, I think more people know him from this picture than from his football career. Let's go to the next one. Who is this? Osama bin Laden. 
Whether he claimed it truthfully or not, he claimed to be the orchestrator of what? 9-11. How about the next? Junior. Right, remember he was a junior, Martin Luther King Jr. What is he known for? Oh, I just hear a bunch of words. Civil rights. Civil rights. Thank you, Bill. Speaking of civil rights. Do each of these people, at least the character, the caricature, I'm going to say, that is given to you via media, because I'm assuming that none of you personally knew any of these people. Did anybody meet any of these people? Anybody in here? No. So all you have is what the media has given you. Is that fair? Do they conjure up feelings, whether good or bad, as you think about them? Do you judge their character according to what you've seen or read? Huh? Well, their deeds, what we have seen or read as their deeds, and I'm not saying that that's... But we don't know them either. Actually, does it change... Do, Generally, within the United States of America, is the feeling towards Martin Luther King Jr. good or bad? Positive, right? Good. It changed America. But there was a dossier that just came out last year that said that was talking about extramarital stuff. Does that change your feelings towards him? There were even thoughts of conspiracy of ties towards communism. Does that change your thoughts towards him? Some maybe, some maybe not. Maybe, his, maybe the legend has grown so big, and I do believe that God used him. Despite his flaws, God used him to do great things. But did you, during the trial, the OJ trial, if you are old enough to have sat through that trial and watched some of it, did you form an opinion whether he did it or not? Yes. Pictures I don't have up there. Do you remember the whole Rodney King thing? Yes. We all, we all know this, and I believe that none of us are indifferent towards these people we don't know. We have formed judgments. Do we judge? Come on, four people. More than four people. Do we judge? Yes. Everybody in here judges. Let's get it straight. Everybody. All of us. We all have made judgments unfairly. At times, because we don't know the whole situation, at times. If you have read, and I know I've, I've cited this before, but I'm actually going to read the story that is at the beginning of the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, 
If you have read this, when I read this for the first time years ago, I was like, wow, it makes sense. When, when, he talks about the, when he talks about the parrot, he had this mini paradigm shift, and he said he was, um, he was on a subway, and he said it was a calm and peaceful scene on a subway. Then suddenly a man and his children entered the subway car. The children were so loud and rambunctious that instantly the whole climate had changed. The man sat down next to me and closed his eyes and appeared apparently oblivious to the situation. The children were yelling back and forth, throwing things, even grabbing people's papers out of their hands. It was very disturbing. And yet the man next to me did nothing. It was difficult not to feel irritated. I could not believe that he would be so insensitive as to let his children run wild like that and do nothing about it taking no responsibility at all. Have you ever felt this way? Yes. It was easy to see that everyone else on the subway felt irritated too. So finally, with what I felt was unusual patience and restraint, I turned to him and said, Sir, your children are really disturbing a lot of people. I wonder if you wouldn't control them a little more. The man lifted his gaze as if to come to a consciousness of the situation for the first time and said softly, Oh, you're right. I guess I should do something about it. We just came from the hospital where their mother died about an hour ago. I don't know what to think. I guess I don't know. They don't know how to handle it either. Can you imagine what I felt that moment? My paradigm shifted. Suddenly I saw things differently because I saw differently. I thought differently. I felt differently. My irritation vanished. I didn't have to worry about controlling my attitude or my behavior. My heart was filled with the man's pain. Feelings of sympathy and compassion flowed freely. Your wife just died Oh, I'm so sorry. Can you tell me about it? What can I do to help? Everything changed in that instant. The challenge in judging. Before we get to that text, remember, there is one word in the context of the Sermon on the Mount. If you've been here these weeks, you know that we're in the Sermon on the Mount. What is that one word that contextualizes the Sermon on the Mount. (laughs) Happiness, right? This is how he starts. Happy is the poor in spirit. Happy are the meek. Happy are the peacemakers. Oh, and I'll continue. Happy are the salt and the light. Happy is everything in here. Happy are those that actually act, that, that their heart is transformed. It's not that they're, that they're not sleeping with another woman. It's actually that their eye is pure too. Happy is that person, that their heart is pure. Happy are those people. So what do you think is the context of do not judge? 
happy are you if you do not judge? Now, we're going to get to what this really means. But I want to take you to the text, and I'm going to look in, in my physical Bible, but it is up on, on there also. So Matthew chapter 7, and it says this. And I'm glad you had that long verse to read, Tom. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. We're going to get to the plank and the speck later. I want to take you, because I actually think Luke adds some stuff. I did not put it up here. I want you, if you have your Bibles, to go to Luke. Because Luke adds a couple of words here, and it's Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 37. And since it's not up, I will wait for a minute for you to go there. Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 37. And it says this. Do not judge, and you won't be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Already you see some new words there. What words is it using that you didn't see in Matthew? Forgiven and condemn. So it says, do not judge, also do not condemn, but forgive. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And that seems positive. He also told them this parable. Can a, man, man, a blind man lead a blind man Will they not both fall into a pit? That is important to the text. A student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? The rest is fairly similar. See that part where it says, Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like the teacher. So the question again is, do we judge? Yes, be honest. Yes, we do. But here, it says, and I'm going to paraphrase, be the bigger person. You can't expect some people to be at the same place that you're at, which sometimes we do. That is where he felt this dad should be in the story. 
But that dad was not ready, experiencing death an hour ago. Actually, do you know that the, the, the Talmud, which is basically commentary on Torah, their Jewish writings, it actually says this. There is a quote that says this. Do not judge your fellow until you have reached his place. Until you've been in his shoes, do not judge your fellow. Now, how many people actually have ever been in somebody else's shoes? I'm not talking physical shoes, please. Has anybody lived the exact same life as somebody else? The answer is no. So what the commentators on the Talmud say is don't judge somebody with condemning spirits ever. Don't do it ever. Never place condemnation upon somebody. Period. If you do it, you will be unhappy. That's what he's saying here. Remember, the context is happiness. It's not about other people. It's, it's about your happiness. That's primary. If you judge other people, guess what? You will also be judged the same way. If you do this. And now, in the context, it says God is going, you know, will do this. But people will do this also. You know that. If you're willing to offer judgment on somebody, you better expect it. It's coming back. People won't trust you. You know this. You know, and we lived in the South for several years. I, I pastored a church plant in uh, Mobile, Alabama for a short time, so this is deep South. And, uh, and there was an expression, and you've probably heard this before, but there was an expression, bless their heart. Bless their heart. Now, I, I, when we moved down there, because I'm from the north, when Anna and I moved down there, we had to have somebody explain to us what bless your heart means, because everybody said it, bless, bless her heart, bless his heart. Basically, bless his or her heart means I'm going to say something bad about somebody, but this is my nice way of saying it. So it's okay that I say it this way. I'm actually saying something nice while I tear them down. So bless their heart. You know, they're dumber than a, than a box of rocks. Bless their heart. What? It was okay then. Everybody did it. It was okay to say something derogatory towards somebody if you said, bless their heart. We excuse it. In my short ministry, this has been, what, 14 years, I don't know if I've done this consciously or unconsciously, but I've learned that if somebody gives me unsolicited information about people, something changes in me. It's a little bit harder to trust people that do that. Because I know if they're talking about other people, who else are they talking about? Me. They'll talk about me to other people. I've worked with 
Again, Adventist world is small, so I have to be very vague. There was a, a lady that I worked with that we would start. It was at a school setting, so uh, there would be Bible studies that would be started in her office. Uh, she would, I would be her go-to person to pray, you know, please pray for this, please pray. And, and she would, I, I noticed as she got more comfortable, she would start talking about the unhappy things that she felt towards people. And it seemed like everybody. But at first, uh, it seemed like, well, you're, you know, I'm thankful for you, to me, you know? Um, but something clicked in my head. She's saying something negative about everybody else. She might not yet, but she would say something negative about, about me. That's just, that's the law of something. I don't know, it's some kind of law. Yeah, we... When people do that, when that is part of their nature, to judge other people, you'll be on that list. It might be later, but you'll be on that list. Before we talk more about that, I want to say, though, and this, we do misunderstand what judging means. We do misunderstand what judging means. Now, from Luke, it says, judging is condemnation. I do agree with that. Actually, the word judge in Greek, because we're in the, in the Greek text here, is krino. And it, may, it means to make a conclusion about somebody or a case, but that could be with or without evidence. That you make a conclusion about somebody. Oh, that person doesn't care about people because they said this. That person, because of their body type, doesn't care about eating healthy. Whatever it is, we have formulated the conclusion, and it is right in our head, whether it's right in reality. But the thing is, is we need to judge. Do you, do you know that? We need to judge. I heard... Two people, thank you. We need to judge, and I will show you why. There are some synonyms. Now, kiddos, I think this is your first notes thing. If, if you write the notes, then you get a healthy snack from Bill over there. Uh, you have to fill out all the notes. Everybody under 17, all right? Rocky, you're not under 17. So, synonyms of judging, analyzing. Is analyzing bad? No. Critiquing, critiquing bad? It, it really, it shouldn't be, you know? Now, this one has a negative connotation, discriminating. Maybe we'll get to that. How about surveying? Is that bad? Let me ask you a couple of questions. I, I wrote down a couple of questions and asked you. Now, not everybody was part of this process, but I just wanted you, I want to see what you think. Did you judge me when you interviewed me to see if I would be a good fit for Downers Grove? Yes. Was, 
Is that a good thing? Yes, it is a good thing. Right. You probably should have judged a little bit more. Second question. Do you think you would have hired me in your judgment if I was a, and I'm going to leave out a word, a registered offender? Probably not. That is judgment. Just letting you know. Should I judge a boy that wants to date my daughter when that time comes? Yes, amen. You know what song? Now, some of you younger people will know, have recognized this song. I would hear it at the gym, and I hate this song. Now, if you older people that have never heard this song, there is a song that, that the lyrics go, Why You Gotta Be So Rude. If you've heard the song, it's about a boy, a, a man, who wants to marry this girl. And he asks the father. And, and the, father, the father says no. Now, granted, we don't know the context of this real story in this song. But the father says no. And the, the song is about this guy saying, why are you going to be so rude? I'm going to marry her anyway. I, I don't care. I don't care what you say. I got her. And she's going to follow me, not you. I hate that song. <laughs> I don't know if I would have hated it before I had a daughter. I hate the song now. Every time it came on at the gym, I was like, why don't they change it? Because guess what? I will judge to see if you are a good fit, if you love the Lord. Now, granted, she has her own powers of decision. But yeah, I'm going to judge it. Is it judging if I approach my brother or sister because they are cheating on their spouse? Well, technically it is. It's judging. But it's right. Here's the irony. A lot of times, we won't do that, but we sure will talk about people that are doing it. Yeah, so maybe that's part of the problem. It's a lot easier to gossip about somebody than to confront them, right? See, the Western idea of judging is this. So, so, by the way, we are to judge. There is good judging. I don't think that that's the context of what uh, Matthew chapter 7 is saying. But the Western idea of judging is to compare. Okay, so that was the second question, I believe. Comparing. We all compare. You know, I mean... I love to listen to these kids. I'm faster than you. I'm taller than you. You know, I'm taller than you, or I'm taller than this kid in the class. I, you know, this person's smarter than this person. We all compare. The sad reality is the standard is usually, yeah, 
I'm the standard. That's where it's bad, is when I believe that I am the standard of judgment. That's where we get in trouble. So I have created a bad feeling towards you because you're not where I am. But there's only one standard, and that standard is who? Is God, is, is, is Jesus. Jesus is that standard, which do any of us reach that? None of us meet that standard totally. Come on. So do any of us have the right to criticize somebody else? No. But we all compare, and you know that we all have specks and planks. Actually, I would tend to think that... I. I won't say everybody. A huge majority of us are hypocrites at this too. By the way, do you know that for a speck to go in my eye, have you ever gotten something in your eye? Yeah, you hate it. When a bug flies, oh, I hate when a bug flies my eye, a little one, and then it, and then it moves like it's over here and then it goes to that side. Actually, this was the worst um, concerning my eye. It, it wasn't something that was in my eye. I was helping uh, some seniors in high school go camping and, I, and we were cutting down firewood and I was pushing this and it was still a fairly live tree so fairly flexible I was pushing it over and the branch got caught by another one and hit me in the eye and scratched my cornea and I felt like something was in my eye for like a full day or two and you know that feeling when something's scratching your eye and for a full like I, it, you know, it was blurry. I was so thankful it healed. And when they told me it healed, like I thought that was gospel message. I thought I was forever going to have a torn cornea, for real. And they said, no, it will go away. But if you've felt that before, then you know how it feels. But he says, you guys have, not you guys, to the, to the people he's talking to, you have planks in your eyes. You have a log in your eye. So if you have a log in your eye, for years you have been comfortable with the speck. Does that make sense? If you have a log in your eye, you ignore the speck. He's saying, why are you trying to get somebody else's speck out when for years you've been ignoring speck after speck after speck after toothpick, you know, what, what's bigger, a matchstick? You know, kindling wood? Now you have a big log in your eye. How can you judge righteously? There are texts that say you should judge. Go to Proverbs 31. I just want to show you a couple, of, a couple of texts. Proverbs chapter 31. And we're going to start with verse 9. Actually, I, I think we'll probably just read verse 9. I want you to get there. If you're, if you're going, I'll wait for you. 
All right. It says this. Oh, I hear a couple more pages. Proverbs 31 verse 9 says this. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. Speak up and judge what? Fairly. You're supposed to judge, but just do it on the same standard. Don't have different standards between you and somebody else. You know that happens, right? There are times I am a very innocent guy. And when I drive, I drive very poorly, pure of heart. And I drive, and sometimes when I want to get in the other lane, I will mistakenly miss, I, I judge where the other car is. So I will get very close to them, innocently. But if I am the other car, if I'm the other car, and somebody does the same thing, I don't in my heart believe it's quite as innocent. Have you ever felt this way? Yes. Come on. It's forgiving to me because I am pure of heart. But when they did it, they did it maliciously. I know it because they're not as pure of heart as me. When kids, let's be honest, older parents, when you saw unruly kids from somebody else, have you ever thought, and I don't want an answer, but have you ever thought, man, those parents need to, they need to get some control? <laughs> oh, I got one, yes. But have you ever been embarrassed by your own kids? Yeah. Because guess what? We're all human. It's funny, in the same standard, I have... I have witnessed, you know, we're talking about health. I have witnessed where people have been very verbal about, well, we, you know, we, we press this vegetarian diet, vegetarian, vegetarian diet. And then I see what we have at our potlucks. And I will tell you, I know that there are healthier meat eaters out there. I, I'm not promoting because I am a vegetarian. But I know that there are healthier meat eaters out there than some of the vegetarians in here. I'm not saying in here, I mean, this is the global, in here. Because I believe you're all very healthy. But I've seen it. But they will down talk these other people. Oh, that person hasn't given it me, but we're praying for them. Let's bless their heart. Bless their heart, they still eat meat. Oh, wait, wait. Oh, yeah, that is my fourth plate of lasagna. But bless their heart, I'm praying for them to give up that lean turkey. Oh, we all have different standards. See, the thing is, to judge in the Bible, remember, we're going Hebrew now, not Greek, we're going Hebrew, is, is, wait, who just said that? What? Shaphat! What? Oh, a Hebrew scholar. Shaphat is to judge. But the irony is the idea of judging in the Bible is to deliver. 
Do you remember the judges, chef team in scripture? Gideon, Samson. Now, was Samson a good guy? But his job was to deliver oppressed people. That is the shaftim. That is a judge in Scripture. When, when David says, judge me, O Lord, he is not saying, let's open a case up about me. He's saying, deliver me from people that are oppressing me. So when God is calling us to judge, it says, judge fairly. And take care of the needy and the oppressed. Instead of talking about some kid that gets on your nerves, take him to the side. What's going on? What's really going on? And I'm assuming all of you know that kid. You all have one of those kids. I mean, not one of your kids, but you all know a kid that's like, what is that kid thinking? Why are they saying that? What? You take them to the side because you want their best. That is a righteous judge, is to deliver them from what is oppressing them. Judging is not, the word judging here, what he's saying in Matthew 7, is not just about judging, but it means to judge without mercy. Because judging is actually the opposite. It is mercy. It is to bring somebody from a bad situation to a better situation. And what it's not is found, and I'll just read this because it's going to be a lot easier, is, is not Hebrews, found in Hebrews 4, verse 11. It says this, Let us therefore make every... Oh, no. I think I found the wrong verse. Maybe I did. Maybe it's here. Man, you think, you think I'd read a little bit. It says this. It's this. Just remember, all right? I make mistakes. Oh, thank you. Bless my heart. Thank you. Oh, I know where it is. I wrote down the wrong, the wrong book. That bless your heart, just you don't know what it did for me. It says this. In verse 11 of James chapter 4, Brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks his, against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping uh, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. It says, don't judge your brother by slandering them. Don't talk bad about people. You are supposed to restore them. If you ever read Matthew 18, where it's the, that is about restoration. You understand that, right? The context of the church discipline. Before it, it's talking about going, leaving the 99 and going and getting a sheep. And then after, Peter says, well, how many times do I got to forgive somebody now? The whole context is restore people, heal them, deliver them. 
There is a quote by Mother Teresa that I love. And it says this, If you judge people, you have no time to love them. And she's talking specifically in what Jesus is talking about. But what God is calling you to is to judge them biblically. Help people out of bad situations. If you do that, you will be their shafat.